0: Everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, we're getting extreme on the water and boring at home.
1: I'd say the most challenging and it's probably the Indus River in Pakistan, some of the biggest white water that I've ever run, as well as um, I have the least amount of portages because I ran this one massive rapid as the first person to run it. Uh, the biggest waterfall I've run is uh, about 134 feet. I did it last, um, beginning of last year. The biggest risk and the biggest thing people are trying to avoid when running big waterfalls is having the front of the kayak stay up, which is what's called a boop. And that means landing flat off the waterfall. And what that would mean is that that can often lead to breaking your back.
0: I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, Download, subscribe, share—we really appreciate it. It Really helps us out. So our first guest has taken on some of the most dangerous environments on Earth. We're talking about kayaking through Class Five rapids in Pakistan and dropping off of 130-foot tall waterfalls in South America. This is extreme kayaker Dane Jackson. So I was watching some of your videos on YouTube, and I was trying to figure out: Is this safer than I think it is, or more dangerous than I think it is?
1: I would say there's probably a little bit more control and more that goes into the clips you're seeing than you probably realize, like scouting, we look at the features, we have safety, um, there's a lot of process, that, like a lot of things happen before we you know, fall off a 60-foot waterfall, 100-foot waterfall run the biggest white water. There's a lot of things that need to happen before that. Act. Like it's almost like a stunt in a movie. Like we scout it out, we make a plan. We need this person here for safety. And there's a lot that goes into it on top of just our general skill to do it safely. Um, So there's probably a bit more control than you think. But of course, it's always dangerous because it's a natural river.
0: I guess because I was looking at it, right? It's, it's definitely not just like, hey, I got a life jacket on. Like I'm going to float, right? Does it work? Does it work like that at the end? Like, all right, whatever happens, I got this life jacket and I'm going to be okay.
1: Uh, Not quite. I wish it was that straightforward for sure. I mean, there are times that, you know, the river maybe just goes into a big pool below. And even if you came out of your kayak because you have that life jacket on, you're probably going to be fine. But a lot of times when it comes to the much harder white water, like even if it's not even the most insane thing ever, there's a lot of things in rivers that can be dangerous. You know, water goes in between two rocks in a weird way. Or maybe water gets pushed under, kind of like a cave. Or maybe just the river just keeps going and going and going. So if you came out of your boat, you wouldn't be able to stop, essentially. Um, so there's, uh, it's not just safe because you have the life jacket. Life jacket really helps, but there's definitely still a lot of um, dangerous factors in the river that we have to kind of maneuver around or deal with or be ready to deal with if something goes wrong.
0: What's kind of the most dangerous thing? Like, what are you always looking out for? Is it a drop? Is it the speed of the water? Is it hitting something on the bottom? Or what is it?
1: Uh, it just depends on where you're at, you know, um, there's different risks and different things to look out for when it comes, you know, big waterfalls versus big white water, or, um, if you're in a very tight little technical river, tight little Creek or steeper white water, usually what happens is, um, there's places where the water gets shoved in between two rocks where you wouldn't be able to fit through. It's called like a sieve. Um, so it, it depends on the white water you're dealing with. But in the end, everything has its own dangers. I mean, even one country to the other might have a different style of danger because of the different types of rocks and stuff. Um, and when it comes to big water, you know, a lot of times the issue with that is that like it sounds like big white water if you're out of your if you ever came out of your kayak, you know, it's much more powerful. There's much more like scenes where like the two flows come together. You can get a lot of downtime there out of your kayak, like things like that. So there's everywhere has its own kind of risk and there's a lot of things you're looking for at each different river. Like every river is different.
0: How did you get started in this, man?
1: Uh, My dad's a professional kayaker. Um, So when I was born, he was already a pro kayaker. He had just gone to the 92 Olympics for slalom. So he basically grew up doing that on top of doing a lot of whitewater. And when I came around, he made his full, he's retired from slalom, made his full switch um, basically over to whitewater kayaking. And when I was born, I was born in Washington, D.C., and I have an older sister as well. But when we were about four years old, we moved into an RV full time for about six years. And all we were doing is traveling around, going with my family to wherever my dad wanted to go kayak, whether we go to this area because he wanted to run this river or we go to Colorado because that's where all the kayaking events are. So we were basically traveling around full time without a house for about six years. And even when we moved to Tennessee back in like 2003, we still travel most of the year in an RV. And even now that I'm on my own program, I'm in my RV right now, and I, I left at the end of February, and I won't be going back out of my RV until pretty much November.
0: What do you like about it?
1: One, it it gave me the opportunity through kayaking, um, and I'm sure my dad would have done it with any sport, but through kayaking, it allowed me to grow up with my family and travel to all these amazing places and have a, a very um, unique childhood. But on top of that, growing up and even now moving forward, um, it allows me to go to so many incredible places all over the world while doing the sport that I love. And I actually just enjoy going kayaking every day. If I can, wherever I am, I actually enjoy kayaking. It's not like I'm, I'm just in it for glory, you know? I just actually really enjoy kayaking. But I get to go to all these amazing places with my family and friends and see places that most people might not ever get to see.
0: Why are you good at it? Like, is, are you are you technically proficient? Do you have, like, the strongest arms in the world? or Like, <laughs> why, so like why, why are you good at it?
1: Uh, I think there's a lot of things. I think it, there's a lot of different factors. Um, a big part, it definitely didn't hurt growing up that I had my dad there the entire time to to coach me. It doesn't hurt to have the best there all the time. But not only did I have my dad um, there, but I also grew up, because it, I grew up surrounded by kayaking, rather than getting into it later, I was surrounded by it growing up. I got to hang out and watch basically all the top kayakers of the world, whether in person or all the kayaking videos that were coming out. So I had a very strong influence growing up and a lot of things that I could watch. But on top of that, um, I did start to get pretty good at an early age, which allowed me to kind of progress along, like just kind of learn things along the way that like help me even now, like just things that I learned when I was 10 still benefit me and I can continue to learn even now at 27, you know. Um, But also, I think a lot of it has to do with like mentally, I'm able to really like, understand that like, no matter how good I get, I can always get better. Or right now, you know, I, 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 didn't always love huge waterfalls, but as I started to get a little better at running waterfalls, I decided now's a good time to maybe see if I can get better at running big waterfalls. And now I feel really strong running waterfalls. But on top of that, the biggest thing is that I do all aspects of kayaking. So I do freestyle kayaking, which is like stand, standing features, little short kayaking, do flips, like things like that. But I also do racing, like, so time trial, or head to head or like, similar to like slalom and other places. Like I do races like that. But then I also do a lot of expeditions and extreme kayaking, big water, waterfalls, whatever it is. So I think by combining all these different aspects, each kind of plays off each other. And I can learn one thing in, in the freestyle aspect that allows me to be better in extreme racing or extreme kayaking, whatever it is, and vice versa. So I think that's the main thing. is always willing to try to learn new things, progress my skills, but also everything kind of feeds off each other. So I have a lot of very technical things as well
0: not 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 to imply that you're chasing this or anything like that but when you look at the sport as a whole like where's where's the money and the glory at right is it in the olymp stuff that i see in the olympics where they're going back and forth it is in the crazy expeditions to places that it, nobody's ever been is it in the most extreme stuff like where does where's the money and the glory so to speak
1: it depends on how you present it and do it you know like they're it, in the end obviously big waterfalls and extreme kayaking is one uh, one of the more fun things to watch. It's one of the more dangerous aspects of kayaking, but it's definitely in terms of even non-kayakers can kind of understand, like you're running a waterfall, like that's insane. You know, like freestyle kayaking, it's a little trickier because you have to know the tricks and things like that. Um, so I would say that in terms of uh, general audience and, and you know, really capturing attention, you know, waterfall and extreme kayaking definitely um, are the easiest. But the biggest thing is that, you can find, you can become someone in the sport in any of the aspects of it. It's just a matter of like chewing it right, like training it right. You know, maybe you make videos, whatever it is, everything kind of comes together. But waterfalls are definitely worth, I would say with the glory that, but I don't want to really use that word because yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. want to run waterfalls. You don't want to run waterfalls just because that you want glory. Like that's the last reason you should ever be running big waterfalls or things like that. If you're just doing it for glory um, and kayaking very much a sport that, um, you know, it's a smaller niche sport. Um, for the most part, if you're in it, you're just in it because you love it, and anything that comes after that is is a bonus. But in the end, if you're not in it just because you love the sport, it can be easy to get burnt out on because it's a smaller sport. It takes a lot of effort to to keep going. All these, um, and you gotta work hard at it. You gotta, you know, find ways to market yourself. You know, I'm a videographer, a photographer, all that stuff. Um, so I have to do most of the work myself to present it out along with my friends. so it, it's a lot of work to be a pro kayaker, but that's what's great is that it's worth it because you actually just I actually just love the sport and so do pretty much everyone that's in it.
0: Do you now is this full time living? You can make a full time yeah. living off
1: of it? Yeah, yeah, it, it's not always the easiest, but it's uh, um, I'm fortunate enough to have some big sponsors on top of the fact that I also have a lot of ways that I can market myself and, and work whether it's teaching, photos, videos, YouTube, whatever it is. I have a lot of different things that I can apply to be a pro kayaker and that's what a lot of people do as pro kayakers because it, it's not the biggest sport so you can't rely on just 100% on skill alone. So you usually have to find something that allows you to continue to kayak. So some people teach in the summer and then travel during the winter or it's like my friend of mine coaches a traveling kayaking program, things like that. So you kinda gotta find something that works with kayaking and if you truly enjoy the sport, you're gonna work hard and every cent you make goes right back in to be able to kayak more.
0: Okay. I'll ask if you want to answer this directly, feel free to just put a number on it. But let me ask you this. Essentially, when you, when you look at your earnings, are you closer to ramen noodles or mansions?
1: Uh, it's all relevant. People might think that I'm a millionaire at the places I go. Like I, people think that because I'm in the big RV, I got a truck and I get to travel year round. They're like, you must be a millionaire. It's like, no, I just like kayaking. I like what I do. So I spend, I put all my money towards kayaking. When,
0: when you run a river, are you fighting against the water or do you just go with it? And like, I'm just trying to survive here.
1: <laughs> yes, we are going against the water probably in a lot of ways. I mean, we're with the water, but we're also going against it. And that sounds very cheesy, like something you spread put on a uh, card, but, um, but basically, um, yes, we are going with the river, you know, like our goal, it's like some rapids and some rivers, like a lot of the rapids, you don't even need to do much other than just say in the middle of the river and you're might have to deal with some features, but you're going to be totally fine. Um, and other rapids and a lot of times when it comes to rivers, I don't want to, fighting isn't necessarily the word I would use, but, um, basically obviously there's a lot of features on the way down a river, down a rapid. And those features are what make the challenges and the risks and things like that. So, um. Like there's a lot of features that like, you know, if you're starting the middle of the rapid middle of the river and there's something um, dangerous in the middle or the bottom left of a rapid, you're going to be working against features, whether it's boiled, eddy lines, slower water, big crashing features. You might be working against those features to try to get to the right side of the river and away from whatever dangerous on the bottom left, if that makes sense. So I would say that you're, the, the, you're, With the river, because you might use some of those features to your advantage, and then you're also kind of working against it at times, trying to get over these these features that are trying to put you in a either a bad spot or make you have a not as good of a line. If that makes sense,
0: are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Sound fantastic. Let's do it. Hardest run you've ever done?
1: That's a tough one, but I would say the most challenging, and it's probably the Indus River in Pakistan, some of the biggest white water that I've ever run, as well as um, the hardest. Not only the hardest whitewater and, and the biggest whitewater for myself and what a lot of people aspire to go run, but also um, when you don't run a rapid, it's called portaging. And I think people have heard that term before. The Indus River, its even the, the world's top kayakers go there. The question people get asked afterwards is how many times did you portage? Because it's the Rondu Gorge at the Indus, and there's a ton of rapids in it. And if you portage one, he's like, "Oh, that's one portage." I have the least amount of portages because I ran this one massive app but it's the first person to run it, so I only have one portage on the entire section. And there's a lot of big white water in there, so I would say that was my most challenging river I've done. So the thing that, I, but there's also some harder ones.
0: The thing that I've heard is like, okay, so this is class one, class two, class three, class four, class five. Are is what you're doing class five, or is that like, hey, that's just that's for non-professionals, and I'm doing something even above that, like class no. double X or something.
1: <laughs> that sounds way cooler than five it does <laughs> uh, unfortunately the grading system the grading system kayaking is not very strong because it, it's very subjective um so i yeah i'm doing class five like this is class five but my class five might be like someone that's only doing class two which is an easier river and they step it up into something they might think it's a class five or because it's, it's all about skill level and and like Certain challenges might appear harder to someone else than for myself. So it's a very subjective system. But in the end, yes, I am doing class five. But unfortunately, I wish we had a better system.
0: <laughs> so people shouldn't ask you like, hey, man, oh, that's only class one. And then the beginner gets in there and they're like doing double back flips. like – he said it was class one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he, but he's yeah, a pro he kayaker, man. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, so.
1: yeah, yeah. No, it's um my my class uh class three is probably uh, a little little easier than most people. Um, but yeah, it's all relevant for sure. It's all subjective.
0: Biggest drop you've ever done?
1: Uh, the biggest waterfall I've run is uh, about 134 feet. I did it last um, beginning of last year. Uh, the Salto Maule drop in Chile. It was um, one of the coolest waterfalls I've ever seen, but it's, um, it's one of the few drops that I'd actually seen a photo like three or four years prior. And I just remember coming back to the photo all the time. Like, oh, I really want to go do this waterfall, but I hadn't, I, people had told me it was too shallow, wasn't hundred percent sure, but I ended up going to do it. It started last year and it was incredible. I did a whole project on it, things like that.
0: So when you say like 100, 134 or 131, you say 134?
1: 134. 134. So, the, so it's actually the that second tallest like- drop that's been done.
0: Is that the whole, like, I go off the waterfall, I fall 134 feet, I land in the water, or is that like in stages you go down?
1: No, that's one consecutive drop. When we say, when kayakers say a, a drop Holy height, sh- um, we're talking about the actual consecutive drop. Like, even if it's a 20 footer into a hundred footer, we're going to say a 20 foot drop and a hundred foot drop. And this one with 134. So it's basically the lip where it becomes vertical and when it hits the bottom.
0: Now, did you test yeah. that out or did you just do it? Like, did you like put a... Uh, cardboard box in a kayak and run it off there you just like nah i'm just gonna yeah, go that, it yeah
1: that pretty much sums up the sport yeah that pretty much sums up our sport cardboard boxes <laughs> um no uh, no basically um like i was mentioning earlier when it comes to something like waterfalls are definitely not everyone loves doing them because they from 10 footers to 110 footers waterfalls are definitely um can be one of the more dangerous aspects of kayaking on um, or at the very least um a good way to potentially like you can get hurt on waterfalls. They're one of the riskier um aspects in terms of like just trying to avoid injuries because even if you have a perfect line, there are things that can just be a little off and you might pull a muscle, you know, or dislocate your shoulder. There are ways to get hurt even if you have a perfect line. Um waterfalls they're like by the time you actually see us running a very big waterfall, it's almost like I mentioned earlier, like a stunt in the movie. Like there's a lot that goes into that one moment. Like all you're seeing is the final product, but there's a lot that goes into being able to run that as safe as possible. One, you know, we don't, if you've only run a 10 foot waterfall, you're not going to go fall off a 130 foot waterfall the next day. There is actual technique and things you can learn to, get, to allow you to have a better line. And for those that might be confused, the goal for a waterfall when you're running it in a kayak is to be as vertical as possible, hopefully a little bit in the flow that's falling, but as vertical as possible and get your body as tucked up as possible. The biggest risk and the biggest thing people are trying to avoid when running big waterfalls is having the front of the kayak stay up, which is what's called a boof. And that means landing flat off the waterfall. And what that would mean is that that can often lead to breaking your back. Now, the crazy thing and the often scary part is someone that runs like 100-foot waterfalls, is people break their backs on 10-foot waterfalls, 15-foot waterfalls um, by landing flat. And some people might back and boot up like a 90-foot waterfall and be totally okay if, if you never – know sometimes when it comes so that's the ultimate goal is to land as vertical as possible sometimes you go over the handlebars and land on your head which is not as bad as landing flat because usually what will happen is you eject out of your boat when that happens so that's a much better situation than potentially breaking your back so if, either way when you're scouting a waterfall the biggest question you you're always asking is like what's the best way to make sure I get the front of the kayak down and land as vertical as possible and the crazy part about that is you actually only have the like split second at the lip you only have that just like top like 10 feet of a drop to really set your angle you can make adjustments but if the front of the kayak starts coming up at the top of the drop there's not so much you can do to save it at that point so there's a lot of technique and skills and things you can learn to allow yourself to have the best line possible and then on top of that the best way is usually we actually will go look at waterfalls without water before we even get to run them because we'll swim below we'll see is there a cave behind it is there a shelf coming out from below the flow like there's A lot of things we scout before we even fall off of it. So the perfect world is we see it without water. We swim around below. We check behind the falls. We check all the different things, make sure it's deep. And then once there's actually water, whether rain fed, whatever it is, then we have safety team below. We'll have three or four people, maybe two people on their boat, two people on the shore with throw bags, with ropes to throw at us. So we have a lot of safety and planning that goes into it. So that way, if something goes wrong, we're ready. We're definitely not just showing up and falling off of it. Wow.
0: Man, if I was gonna go off a hundred and thirty-four foot waterfall in a kayak, seems like that would be the worst way that I would want to do that personally, right? Because it looks like, all right, what's the plan? I'm gonna slam my face yeah. into the water.
1: <laughs> all right, Yeah, I guess when you put it like that, right. Yeah, like that. <laughs> right. yeah that's, that's basically all that's happening.
0: But it looks cool. That's good. Did you, did you have like any? <laughs> did you get anything from it, or were you just? Any bumps, bruises, nothing, or do you just like, all right, it's no. tomorrow's Tuesday?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny funny thing about that is, um, so I ran that waterfall, and sometimes waterfalls can, um, be anywhere from feeling absolutely nothing, just almost just like a transition and flow, like almost just jumping into a pile of pillows. It can, literally can, like, I always use that reference, but it's the only thing I can think yeah. of. Um, but it can sometimes feel like nothing, where you you run the drop and you feel exact same after, or sometimes it can feel like getting hit by a train. It just depends on the line, the drop. And sometimes it just comes down to just the slightest change in angle. Um, But that one I was um, totally, totally fine. I I expected to have a much bigger hit, but it was very soft, didn't feel anything. Um, And then I actually, two days later on the morning of my flight, uh, it was an 11 hour drive, but I drove like seven hours the wrong way. So that way I could run another 100 foot waterfall that I'd always wanted to do uh i ran at like 7 a.m and then i rallied 11 hours and barely caught my flight um, out of santiago because i just always wanted to do that drop
0: this that kind of feeds into this other question run where you just got your ass kicked either from like a physical or a technical Um, standpoint like you just got your ass kicked
1: um i've been uh pretty fortunate in the end like i it's hard to think i mean there's been times even on uh more than anything on waterfalls you know i've had a few times where things haven't been as soft whether i've you know i've pulled a few muscles i've probably broken a couple ribs um there's one time where i ran a lot of times you want a good amount of water when it comes to running waterfalls because there's more water there is there's more aeration there's bigger boils below so you know if you the big difference between jumping into aerated water versus jumping into flat water so the more water there is usually means that you can have a softer hip because there's more flow more boils it doesn't always mean it's softer hip but you definitely don't want to fall off a waterfall that had no water at all because then he was landing in green water and that would be a lot worse um one time i ran a, a waterfall that wasn't didn't have as much water as i probably should have run it but it a drop that hadn't been done in Hawaii, and i really wanted to do it It's about 50 feet not crazy tall but still a solid side drop didn't have i had a pretty good line but like i said you want to stay tucked forward you paddle off to the side I unfortunately opened up a little bit and I kind of landed behind the waterfall. It wasn't a very high volume waterfall. I kind of landed in the green water behind it. And from that impact, it actually kind of almost knocked me out, essentially, um, where I was actually like out of it for like 20 to 30 seconds. Kind of like luckily I stayed upright, but I definitely blacked out for at least 20 seconds, kind of like pattering the water, like really confused and out of it. And then once I came to, I was luckily still upright, but it was definitely... Uh, one of the bigger kind of impacts I've had in on a waterfall and kind of anything in general best place in the U.S. to kayak best place in the world depending on what you want to do I wish that was an easier question to answer but I would say that um, uh, U.S. has a couple different hubs depending on what you're looking for whether it's steeper kayaking or freestyle kayaking or big water whatever it is Um, the southeast is an incredible hub for kayaking because you can kayak almost year-round even in the winter because we don't really get that much snow in a lot of the areas. So, if it rains, you can go kayaking even over Christmas. Um, so, the southeast is an incredible spot, but there's always California, Idaho, Washington. So, depend on what kind of kayaking you're looking to do. Uh, best spot in the world. Again, what you're looking for if you want big water, Africa is usually like the place to go. Like the Zambezi River that's below the um, Victoria Falls, one of my favorite sections in the world. I go there every winter. Um, the Ottawa River in Eastern Canada for big water. And, you know, if you want waterfalls, Mexico. Or you can go to Chile, big water, go to Pakistan if you want. Like there's kayaking all over the place. It depends on what kind of kayaking you're looking to do. You know, New Zealand, it's India, Indonesia, it's everywhere. But yeah, no, I'd say um, North America and um, Chile, as well as Africa, like the strongest, uh, the more popular areas for sure. And I would do there's a ton in Europe. Favorite. I gave a really long answer. Yeah, I gave a long answer. That one. <laughs> Basically everywhere. It's everywhere. It depends on, depend on what you want. Everywhere is good. depends on what you want. Stay go. away from the Sahara Desert.
0: Not the best yeah. kayaking there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, but yeah. hey, that's pretty. Anywhere
1: else, is pretty much good.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Favorite. What is your favorite piece of kayaking lingo?
1: Oh man, why am I just blanking on kayaking lingo right now? You should hold off the tongue. Um, I, I I'd probably say it more too much rowdy i don't why can't i i'm blanking on this right now This is the dumbest thing to be blanking on i can i can talk for 10 minutes about all the places in the world but i can't (laughs) think of the one um it's just embedded i'm like i don't know what what is my favorite
0: best kayaking scene in a movie
1: like it needs to be kayaking or kind of just involved with like the river anything anything overall um well it depends on whether or not you mean cheesy or epic you know there's when it comes to you know there's always the like movie scenes where the person falls into the river they're like splashing around in flat water and all of a sudden it cuts to some aerial shot and like the worst cgi of them just falling off like a 600 foot waterfall and then being totally fine after um, like there's movies like that all the time uh i mean uh depending on what there's i mean there's like you know there's kayaking like into the wild like a friend of mine did the stunt work for that on the grand canyon um and then there's uh um uh without a paddle there's a a drop that they fall off, the three of them fall off a, um, in a canoe. They fall off like a 80-foot waterfall, which a friend of mine actually did the stunt work for that as well. So it's, uh, but there, there's not a whole lot of kayaking in movies, but there's definitely a lot of ridiculous scenes in movies where they're actually like, it's it's the worst CGI, but there's falling off 500-foot waterfalls and being totally fine whether it. it's like Rambo or pretty much any Harrison Ford movie or things like that.
0: If there was a fight between kayakers, canoers, and stand-up paddleboarders, Who's winning?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, uh, uh, well it's, it's gonna be between the um, kayakers and supporters Sorry, canoeers, but that's just kind of. I think. I mean, I don't know. They're they got they, canoeers. Usually, they maybe they like to hunt. Um, they got. Um, I uh, man, that's tough. You know, kayakers. I mean, both suppers, and kayakers have like they're. They're tough, you know. Supporters have the long paddles. They definitely have uh, more ability to, you know, they have a much better weapon. Although our paddles are pretty long, we have blades on both sides. Uh, if that's going to be a battle to the end, it's going to be last man standing. I think that would be that would be a brawl. I think people will pay pay per view for that. Um, yeah, no, that's that's going to be a tough one. I think it'll be kayakers and supporters to be the last one standing. Who it's going to be though? I don't know.
0: <laughs> Mistakes that a newbie makes.
1: One probably tried to learn by themselves and or just more than anything kind of uh, gets um, demotivated or just kind of loses motivation when they're not progressing as fast as they might expect, or maybe there's other people progressing a little faster. So I'd say the biggest mistake a newbie make is is like something come, will come fast, something might take a little bit more time, but just act, just have fun with it because if you're not having fun during the learning process, it doesn't mean it will be fun later because it's always a learning process and it's always ways to progress. So Yeah, just making sure you're actually really enjoying yourself and having fun with it, no matter how quick or slow something coming to you. Tip
0: or (laughs) tip or piece of advice that you would say changed your approach?
1: I can't really say I have like um, like one like piece of advice um, because I, but I would say that the more the mentality um, that could become advice is that just um, you know some people want comfortability and things like that, but making my dad growing up. And my sister's kind of motto as well, and everyone is, is basically life without compromise. like a lot of people say, well, if you um, if you love this sport, you can't if you get a job, you can't spend as much time doing things with your family or whatever or whatever like it you basically just do what makes you happy. do what you want to do and find a way to make that work rather than doing something you don't want to do in the hopes that one day everything's just gonna work out and then you're gonna do whatever you want to do like it you start now and forever. If you're not doing exactly what you want to do find a way to make it work and it's not always easy it might not always be the most stable or um response like a uh, most stable or comforting way to do it sometimes you might not be might have to spend all your money so we can go traveling the place you want to go or spend all your money to go travel with your family so it's basically if you're not doing what makes you happy don't expect it to come later on
0: what is the holy grail of kayaking right now the thing that like ooh everybody's Everybody's going for this.
1: I would say that there's not like one particular thing because, you know, everyone's kind of got different pursuits. You know, there are different things that are being progressed or pushed right now, whether it's downriver freestyle like for myself as well as a few other kayakers. You know, downriver freestyle off of waterfalls where you're actually instead of just running the waterfall normal, you're doing tricks off of the waterfall, which is even more dangerous. But there's we're starting to kind of learn it starting to realize that there's some more control than we might have thought so we can start doing downriver freestyle off a bigger drop. Um, or just more type to downriver freestyle. There's obviously also the world record waterfall. It's probably right now the world record is 186 feet, Palouse Falls in Washington, massive waterfall. I haven't done it. Looks like fun. I don't think I'm going to do it. Um, I'd prefer if I'm going to run something that big, I'd rather save it for something else as like four people have already done that drop. But I, I have a feeling that someone is going to go for the world record sometime soon. I don't know what it's going to be, what drop. The hard part is that there's a lot of challenges with big waterfalls when it comes to what makes it safe to do or allow you to have the best line possible and that drop in washington is about as perfect that that drop kind of drop gets at that height but i have a feeling someone's probably going to go for something here in the near future uh, what where it's going to be what it's going to be maybe that 200 foot barrier will be broken who knows um and then with freestyle you know the one thing i want to do is the um adult, like when standing like big freestyle waves are super fun to surf they're like big standing waves big faces kind of like a an ocean wave but not barreling. Um, we can do really big freestyle tricks, and I want to do the first double air an air screw with a barrel roll on a kayak. I want to do two rotations and then land. Um, someone actually just did, not, not on a wave, but on a waterfall, another kayaker, Anil Sarasolos, just did a project in Chile where he did a double rotation off of a waterfall, which was super badass. But now I want to do it on a wave. I've been wanting to do it for the last few years. I know the wave I want to go to. And I've tried them a few times, but the problem is I haven't been able the wave hasn't been coming in, so I'm just waiting for the day that the wave comes back in and, and we can get back into Canada to do it. But yeah, I, I guess there's, there's not necessarily one thing you know we're, we're all looking at different things when it comes to what's next on it. and you know the record might be broken soon. things are going to start getting thrown off of big waterfalls more often, you know competitions get it harder. There's, everything's kind of got its, its next level coming, you know
0: You've got one run, well last run can only pick one, and you're going to be doing this one for the rest of your life. Which one are you doing?
1: Oh, that's hard. Um, probably, I don't know. I guess <clears throat> I probably have to say the Ottawa River in Canada because I, I grew up kayaking there. It's just big water. Deep water is one of the most amazing places to learn kayaking. But um, you can kayak it. It's like a super long, super fun river. There's a bunch of fun big water rapids, but in the springtime, it's some of the best big wave surfing in the world. And then in the summer, the water becomes super warm. And even at lower water, it can be 20 feet lower than it is in the spring, but there's still a lot of really good freestyle. But also, it's just summer, amazing place to hang out, paddle with people, just one of the most amazing places, especially to learn kayaking. But in the end, it's still some of the best kayaking from the highest water to the lowest water. And so I would pick that because, you know, it's it's good in spring, good in the summer. A lot of fun people to hang out with.
0: Um, that's all the questions yeah. I got, man. Is there anything you think that we missed or what's coming
1: up next for you? Uh, right now, I'm just uh, currently out here in Washington. Um, normally, this time of the year, I'd be traveling international, whether, you know, Norway or was hoping to maybe go to Iceland or other places this summer. But obviously, with travel restrictions, can't quite go anywhere this summer. So right now, I'm just trying to figure out what to do for the next big month or so until I, um, basically, until things start to heat up in the East Coast, whether rain. And then as I get into the fall, after I finish up some races, like October, November, that's the time where I can start traveling international, looking for other places to go, whether it's Brazil, Ecuador, Mexico, I'll go back to Africa over New Year's, things like that. So just trying to figure out the next month and a half. And then after that, it's kind of back to full steam ahead and figuring out where it's the best place to go.
0: I want to thank Dane so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Instagram and Twitter. And we have also included his information in the episode description. His Instagram and YouTube account are awesome. Even if you're not super into kayaking, just seeing the places and living vicariously through him as he goes through some of these environments, it's just amazing to watch. It's really, really cool. Okay, now let's go ahead and bring in John Schull. How do you generally feel about getting wet?
2: I I don't mind getting wet.
0: Okay, but if there's like two kids with a water gun fight on the sidewalk and you're going to walk through it, are you going to purposely walk around those kids? Because like, oh, I don't want to get wet. Or are you just going to walk right through it and take the collateral damage?
2: I guess it depends the kind of mood I'm in. If I'm in a decent mood, I'll walk around them. If I'm just like in a a pissed off mood, I'm probably just going to walk right through them. And as soon as they squirt me, I'm just going to push one of them to the ground
0: pretend I'm that five-year-old who accidentally just squirted you like what are you saying to me
2: you want to die little boy (laughs) (laughs) no I mean I mean I'm not gonna be confrontation I'm gonna say like please don't squirt me and then they're not gonna listen and they're gonna squirt again
0: wow (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
2: so, sorry if so i just cool. offended everyone out there who has young children uh you
0: seem overly offensive overly aggressive towards young children basically <laughs> all yeah, right well, well, I'm, i guess go big or go home on that but are you gonna all right are you gonna say something to some teenagers or are you worried it's gonna get worse if you say something to some teenagers
2: i mean uh for the for that i i like to think it just depends on numbers i mean if there's one or two of them uh sure, I'll say something, but if there's like six, seven, or eight, no, I mean they'll 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 pin me down and squirt me in the face. It'll be like that scene from Step Brothers.
0: Do you think that you're intimidating to a teenager? Not no. like an 18, 19 year old. Like let's say like a thirteen through fifteen. Are you intimidating to a teenager?
2: No, not at all. I don't think so.
0: All right. That's really the only question that I had for you. I I just <laughs> generally don't like getting wet if I don't have to do it.
2: I mean, I mean, what would you do? I mean, I'm I, I kind of want to know what you would do if if you were the person walking through and were sprayed by a a five year old or whatever. What would you do?
0: If okay, if we're talking ages five to eight, and there's two or more, I'm probably going to walk around. If if there's no, that's not true. Okay, if we're talking ages, let's say five to ten, I'm going to need there to be three or more before I'm going to walk around. If there's two of them and I really don't want to get sprayed, I'm going to say something as I'm coming up. Like, Hey guys, watch it. I'm not going to say, please. I'm not going to be Mr. Nice guy. This is going to be like, Hey, watch it. Okay. Cause I'm at the size right now that I got a little bit of an inferiority complex and I'm going to go ahead and project on them. <laughs>
2: Because a five year old comes up to your chest, it's fine.
0: I'm five eight and three quarters. I gotta project an air of authority. I can't be saying please.
2: I gotta come across
0: like a hard ass.
2: I don't. I don't. I don't. I I still don't believe you're five eight and three quarters. I think you.
0: No one. No one ever does. And people who butt when look, this is this is the standard thing. When people see pictures of me, they always think that they're taller than me. It's because of the forehead to eye ratio, right? (laughs) That's what always throws people off. I don't have a big forehead, but my forehead to eye to hair ratio is longer in person than it is in pictures. And I can't tell you how many people have tried to take a shot at the title and thought that they were taller than me when in reality I was actually taller.
2: Okay. Well, I I can confirm I am taller than you, so I don't have to take a shot.
0: To sum this up is like I'm five, eight and three quarters. But if you saw me in pictures, you'd think I was like five, 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 six. But I'm actually much taller than that
2: <laughs> because of your forehead to eye ratio.
0: It's specifically the forehead to eye to hair ratio, which needs to be respected. <laughs> and is not not left in. Right. Like, look at my eyes. Look how long my forehead is. And then look how high my hair is. I'm telling you, my forehead to eye to hair ratio is deceptive in pictures
2: you know I guess I've never really looked at your face that that closely to really
0: right care. and that's why you th- and that's why you think you're so much taller than me
2: no I mean I, I I'm only five ten, five eleven I'm not that much taller than you, but I feel like I'm that much taller than you because I've 5'8". always
0: found that that's an interesting thing that includes somebody's total body weight total body thing because think of how many people that in your life you would think that you are the bigger person than they are even if reality you are not give an example of a kid that i went to high school with he is six one or six two but in my mind i'm actually a bigger person than him because he's a scrawny little beanpole
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's an interesting way to put it i mean that's uh yeah i usually think that about every celebrity i've ever met like oh they're you know they're probably the same size as me, and then I meet them, and they're they're just bean poles or just nothing. Like, yeah.
0: John still does. I used to work in an industry where we would meet celebrities, and I found that celebrities are either four inches taller or four inches shorter than you would think that they are.
2: <laughs> I, I I I can honestly say uh, I don't think I've ever met once one of them where I've been like, wow, you are you're you're bigger than I thought, either height or weight. Every celebrity I have ever met has either been much skinnier or much shorter, man or woman?
0: All right, that's so, uh, all. That's that was my thing. What do you What do you got? What do you got? What do you got going on?
2: Let's uh, Let's give some shout outs, and maybe this week you won't. Uh, I don't know what the proper word is here, but may- maybe you'll let me, you know, get past one name before you stop me and uh, you know embarrass my speech impediment. So let's Let's see think, what happens.
0: I don't think I'll have to do anything. I think that this is a problem that's going to resolve itself. Right, <laughs> like, well, I think you're gonna I, take I, yourself out of the fight.
2: I picked the, the, an easy one to start us off here just, just just on purpose, just that way I didn't have to hear you say, you know, uh, is that the first name, the last name? Um, so we're just gonna start simply with Momo, <laughs> uh, at more you couldn't even work. get
0: through the first one, you couldn't even get through the first I one, I couldn't,
2: uh, but no. <laughs> Anyways, seriously. Appreciate you, Momo. Uh, Kim Sattler. Appreciate you. Uh is Sarah, Momo a
0: girl is Momo a girl or a uh, man? You know what I'm saying? I can see it going uh, either ways. I'm gonna go sixty-five percent chance it's a man, thirty-five percent chance it's a woman.
2: Uh, it is a woman. Her I believe mm-hmm. her name is if the profile is correct, of course, and not in you know, a fake one. I believe her actual name is Morgan, but she goes by Momo. Her hand Momo, Momo
0: is OK. If we did like a coolness ratio Momo nickname pretty good nickname but Momo for a woman way cooler nickname than it is for a guy like I'm envisioning Momo as a woman being way cooler than I'm envisioning Momo as a man.
2: I don't think I've heard that nickname for either sex. So I'm I guess uh, I I couldn't imagine a man named Momo. <sighs>
0: It seems like it should be some kind of like stereotypical gangster enforcer nickname, like Momo get him.
2: <laughs> you know, we should do a top five sometime on the like, you know, the most unexpected gangster names of all time.
0: I can't think of any besides Momo.
2: Tweety Bird, Scratch Dick. Bird. <laughs> <Who knows>? Anyways, <laughs> all right. Moving on. Uh I surprising
0: Scratch. that there's not more guys with a nickname Dick Scratcher. <laughs>
2: It really is, right?
0: Seriously underrepresented in the in the nickname community is like Dick Scratcher.
2: All right, moving on. Uh Marina, appreciate you, Marina Lemons, uh, Sarah Valer, Preston, Rich Hughes, Courtney, Aaron Hart, Jake, and Antoinette. Oh my, <laughs> I fucked it up. Antoinette. Weatherly. <laughs> Antoinette. Oh, boy. I apologize.
0: Antoinette.
2: My face is so red right now. I, no one even sees this stuff for you, and I know I fucked up.
0: Antoinette.
2: All right. Uh, I just want to move on. Uh, I'm sorry, Antoinette, but uh, appreciate you. Yes. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see here. This one, uh, put these in order from uh, least favorite to favorite. Chips and – there we go. Uh, chips and salsa, chips and guac, or chips and cheese.
0: First of all, the fact that you said trips and chips and guac automatically irritates me. You're a 30-plus-year-old man. You don't need to abbreviate guac, all right? <laughs> Say guacamole like you're supposed to. We as a society shouldn't be so lazy that we got to abbreviate every goddamn thing, okay? Say I, I, guacamole.
2: I feel like you're taking this out of context. The guacamole.
0: Thank you. Chips and guacamole. Chips and salsa. And what was the other one?
2: Chips and cheese.
0: Oh, chips and cheese is probably my number one, but you can't have that all the time. You're gonna you're gonna have some serious heart issues. So I would say that chips and cheese is easily the best. Then chips and salsa, then chips and guacamole.
2: I'm going I'm going guac, chi, and then salt.
0: Got and yet, him. and then you wonder why you can't, why you're talking about Antoinette.
2: Yeah, that was, that was a pretty terrible mess up. Right? My this all part. flows
0: together, man. This all flows together.
2: Right? You're be, just, yeah.
0: you're, you're dumbing yourself down over there is what's happening.
2: <laughs> I I don't know. I, I picked too long of a name. I don't think I've had a name that long on my, on my sh- shout outs on episode 158.
0: You know, look, I'm just saying that this is basically the problem with society is that we've taken so many shortcuts and when we got to do something hard, we can't do it anymore. Like the brain's shutting down. That's why I have such a problem with it.
2: (laughs) I don't have any idea how this, how this has uh, anything to do with me, but uh, all right. Um, uh, How do you feel? This isn't really a, a, you know, a direct answer question, but um, if you were to pick one athlete or, or celebrity, to star in, say, a Space Jam-type movie. Who are you going with? Well, Michael Jordan. No, it can't be Michael Jordan. It can't be LeBron James. You said I God could God's pick sakes. one person.
0: I would pick Michael Jordan. So it has to be like a Space Jam movie, but I can pick any athlete that I want to? Yeah. Bartolo Colon.
2: <laughs> yes! Oh, he's <laughs> so great for... I'm sure not a lot of people know who that is, but uh that's fantastic. Uh um,
0: Bartolo Bartolo Colon is probably the least athletic looking athlete of all time. Other than that, you know, I would go with Leon Lett, the guy who I believe got arrested for transporting five hundred pounds of marijuana across state lines. I'm a big fan of Leon
2: Lett. Just a thing. Now it's legal.
0: Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson could probably do it for football because he's like generic enough.
2: Oh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's your favorite, because you're a football fan now.
0: Uh no, my favorite player is Sebastian Janikowski and always will be. R.I.P. R. I. P. R. I. P.
2: <laughs> Did he actually die?
0: Uh no, but his football career is over.
2: Yeah. Well, you know. All right. Anyways, moving on. Um, uh, so, uh, so uh kind of the current event thing. Um uh they're expecting to open up the Canadian US border soon. Uh how do you feel about that? you Are going to be one of the first ones to to cross the border and go, uh, go into Canada or, or what? Because I know I haven't even left Michigan, uh, you know, and we're still in the middle of a pandemic. I can't imagine crossing the border uh, with the pandemic still raging out of control like it is.
0: I wish I kind of cared, honestly.
2: <laughs> you live right there. You live. I mean, you just don't go. I live know.
0: right there, but I'm still like three hours away. I mean, I got to get in a car and drive. I got to plan my day. It's too much work for me. It's still a vacation.
2: Oh, well, that's uh, I go 15 minutes down the road and I'm in Canada. So it happens.
0: I mean, are you excited about them opening up the Canadian border?
2: I mean, I am. But then again, I mean, you, you look at the state of the, of the country and it's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Listen, I'm not I'm not I don't I'm not bringing up, uh, you know, billionaires going into space this week. So there's that.
0: We actually got some comments about John. For people who maybe didn't hear last episode, John has designated himself space commander, and he's now in charge of who and who doesn't get to go to space because he's really upset about it.
2: Listen, we don't need to go back into it. Listen to the last episode if you want to hear my rant. But I just think it's garbage. Anyways, uh, I feel
0: like I feel like you're turning into the space and geography police right now because you were complaining about space and who could go to space last episode. And now you're complaining about going into the crossing into Canada. What, not, who, who is allowed to do things according to you there, space cop?
2: Well, listen, I would geography,
0: also geography, geography, <laughs> geography president. <laughs> who gets to I would, do what?
2: I would also have canceled the Olympics. So I guess I'm just a big curmudgeon all the way around.
0: Yeah. You kind of sounded like a curmudgeon a little bit, right? Because did you, the- wa- did you watch Space Jam? Or are you going to complain about how it wasn't as good as the original now?
2: Nope. I'm just going to say you were. <laughs> yeah, nope. you were. I, I mean, I, the, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was, you know, I watched Space Jam the other night in the comfort of my home. I, I have, I have no, I have no, um, wants to go to the movie theater anymore. Like I, I don't, I don't want to pay the money. I don't want to be around the people. I can literally have everything I want and now watch it in my home. Why would I ever want to go to a movie theater ever again?
0: I don't. Look, I think that there are some movies that are few and far between that I would be interested in going and seeing in a movie theater. Like it's got to be a visual or auditory spectacular kind of movie. Other than that, I really don't care. And my TV is literally 10 years old. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I got it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, it's going to take a
0: lot I think that movie theaters are basically made So much for people in really hot places That don't have anything to do And that's where, okay, let's go there Or you go there in the winter, right? If you got other shit to do, you're probably not going to a movie theater Unless it's a really awesome movie So I have no desire to answer your question No, I have no desire to go back and see a movie
2: Yeah, me me either And I would also say check out Space Jam 2 if, if you have any interest at all It's okay, I mean It is what you think it is
0: Can you give me a two sentence review without giving away any of the plot?
2: Not as good as the original. LeBron James disappoints.
0: Mm. Hmm. Is he not a good actor? Is he not a good actor? Even for a sports guy, you're like, ooh, he's bad even for a sports guy.
2: No, but I I also think that the bar was set by, you know, Jordan. I mean, he didn't do a good job either, but it's like, I, I think watching Space Jam, it's like you expect a certain type of 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 i don't know character out of that main role and LeBron James just didn't do it for me
0: who's your best sports actor then in your in your opinion
2: oh I mean that's easy man that's the rock hundred percent
0: he's not an
2: athlete
0: he's not a sports guy he's not the same thing he, you had Get to play professionals you had to play sports on a professional level and not wrestling <laughs>
2: Um, that That's insane, man. I mean, it's called professional uh, professional wrestling, for God's sakes. Is it a sport? Uh, I mean, it's, it depends who you ask.
0: It's real to me, damn it. We need to get it's that insane.
2: guy on here, man. It's real to me. Imagine damn. that guy. It's not a sport, okay?
0: So who's then your best sports acting?
2: Golly, I'm not even entirely sure I can name you 15. Well... Like uh, that had actual roles. I mean, I could think of cameos, but. uh...
0: I can run through a couple off the top of my head. Uh, Brian Bosworth, the boss. He was in some really like straight to DVD kind of level movies. Okay. Uh, Oh, John Wayne. No, John Wayne didn't do it professionally, though. I think he was like an athlete, but I don't think he played at the professional level.
2: Um, Carl Weathers. Okay. Carl Weathers. I was also thinking OJ Simpson. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Let's <laughs> probably uh, skip over OJ <laughs> Simpson there. Although he
0: actually, if you really wanted to get into it, he might be the best sports actor. OJ Simpson.
2: I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was an airplane. I think he. Had, I mean, he had a decent role. He was decent.
0: He's a good one-off, um, right? He did the best. He was the best, but his he didn't have the longevity that other people had. Um, there's another person that I'm trying to think of. Oh, Ray Allen.
2: Oh, uh, Love and Basketball, right?
0: No, oh. the other one. The one that white people get confused with Love and Basketball. <laughs> uh, <laughs> white he man Got can't Game. Jump?
2: Oh, He Got Game. Okay, you he might actually game. be right. I might i might have messed that up. I, you you might be right on the movie title. I'm not sure that he did both of those movies.
0: I'm pretty sure it's He Got Game. Yeah, but, uh,
2: thats
0: that's the only ones that I can really think of,
2: big-time professional athletes that were –
0: I'm well, sure there's somebody that was like in badminton that we don't know about. Like, Oh no, he's an awesome badminton.
2: Let's not forget about Mike Tyson.
0: It was Mike. Ty- oh yeah. <laughs> Mike Tyson is like the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of the modern age though, where he was great in that one role, but he never, he couldn't do anything else besides that. Uh, okay. All right. That's, is that all you got? That's your current events, the Canada border and space jam. <laughs>
2: I mean, that, that doesn't get much more, uh, you know, and we talked about space flight and the Olympics. I mean, I, you know, we just covered all bases there.
0: Do you care about the Olympics?
2: I I do. I, I love international sport, but I don't really like what's happening right now. I mean, several athletes are testing positive for COVID. They're not allowing spectators. I mean, I understand athletes work their entire lives for this one moment, but it's, you know, it's in the middle of a pandemic in Japan's under, you know, under a surge again. So it's like, I don't know.
0: It kind of is crazy for some athletes when you think that like, okay, just push it back one year. But imagine you're in like track because track is a very physical prime kind of thing. So imagine that in 2020, you were going to be 27 and now you're like out of your physical prime running. Like yeah. for some athletes, that's probably a huge deal. To move it back a year like gymnastics. I mean, women's gymnastics, which I know nothing about, but you basically see them for one Olympics and then never hear about them again. So imagine if you were like 18 and then you're aged out by 22 and you're you're you you are you can not do it anymore.
2: Yeah. I mean, you actually sounded like you knew what you were talking about. I can't really add any more to that. It
0: There's would be some de- sports.
2: Too. It would be devastating.
0: Yeah. But there's I I always feel like things aren't as bad when there's nothing that you can do about it, right? Like there's nothing that you could do. It's kind of like the weather. The weather sucks, but you can't do anything about it. It's not like you somehow caused this, right? Like you did some risky training thing or you took something that you weren't supposed to be taking. Like it sucks, but what are you you can't do anything. There's nothing you can do.
2: I mean that that's that's just your you're just at the, the mercy of uh, the pandemic, I guess. But Olympics are gonna go go on and uh, and and they'll be great, I'm sure. And and uh, and yeah.
0: Uh, for the record, what's your favorite Olympic sport?
2: Oh, that's tough, man. I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of like the the luge or the skeleton. Uh, I really dude, like This that.
0: is the summer Olympics. That's this, that's, that's winter, dude.
2: Well, you ask me my favorite, if I'm going summer, uh, you know, like the short sprint races, 400 meters, 200, 100. Those are the, what, our... what
0: an interesting choice. The luge. How do you, then do you like bobsled or are you just like, Oh, I don't care about bobsled, but I do love me some luge.
2: I mean, I, I've always been fascinated with, I don't mind bobsled to answer your question, but I've always been fascinated with luge because it's, It's just, it's so daring. It's so, it's so intense. You're on this little, this little, uh, skid going 90 miles an hour on a sheet of ice. And there's like nothing. It's just your body. It's, it's nuts to me.
0: Hmm. Okay. That's actually a really good explanation. Kind of got me hooked on the luge. Can't wait for 20, whatever winter Olympics.
2: (laughs) But then I also like curling. So fuck, fuck my life.
0: Right. Yeah. curling's probably curling. Let's be honest. Curling is probably the greatest Olympic sport
2: it really probably is
0: all right are you ready for our top five
2: yeah i'm getting bored
0: all right so since we had our extreme kayaker we figured it would be a good top five would be top five boring things top five boring things that everybody has to do what's your number five
2: Uh, i have brushing your teeth
0: i will accept your answer in the top five depending on what kind of a toothbrush do you use do you use an electric toothbrush or do you do it by hand
2: uh i have just switched to an electric
0: okay see now i don't think it's a top five thing with an electric toothbrush i agree with you it's a top five thing with a manual toothbrush like then it's more boring because it's more monotonous like an electric toothbrush you can kind of just let your brain drift a little bit
2: (laughs) it's all it's all boring brushing your teeth just sucks Uh, name me one person and call me out, if you're listening to this, that that likes to brush their teeth. Not one person likes it.
0: Well, there is over 200,000 dentists in the United States. I would say that they probably all do it. And there's a lot of dental hygienists. I would say that they all enjoy brushing their teeth. So your answer no is pretty easily proven wrong. No way.
2: What's your number five?
0: Folding laundry.
2: Yeah, that's terrible, man. Um, That's a little higher on my list, actually.
0: Okay. All right, we'll get to that later then. But I want to ask you, what is your most boring piece of laundry to fold?
2: Probably probably underwear. Hmm. Because I, you're you,
0: folding underwear? You're not just laying it flat across?
2: Uh, I mean, you give, it a, you give it a quick fold. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not laying it flat across.
0: Okay. Do you go width-wise and then one more in height? Like, so you, you make it like a square or what do you do?
2: Yeah, exactly. I make it, I make it like a square. hundred percent.
0: You go width or you go height first?
2: Uh, I go width and then, and then I do the height.
0: Yeah. That's, that's the accepted
2: way to do that. I think, I think that's the right way to do that.
0: Okay. Uh, was that, what was your, was
2: that your number four? Uh, no, my number four is cleaning up after my children. Hmm. I don't know, man. Because it's 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 literally this. I mean, and they're young, right? But like, it's literally the same motions and the same things I'm going to have to pick up every single night.
0: Hmm. I mean, maybe I'm just a more involved parent than you, but I make them clean it up. I'm not doing <laughs> that crap. They can do it. They can uh, get mean, it out. They can put it back.
2: We're working on it. My my kids are a little younger than yours, but uh, maybe. Maybe my f- top five will be a different in a couple of years. But right now, cleaning up after my kids is just monotonous and boring, and it's, it's terrible. Man. Yeah, I
0: could see it in your face how <laughs> fucking awful it was. Yeah, uh, my number four is exercising, but specifically any kind of, like, cardio equipment, while you're just, like, running on a treadmill or the elliptical thing. That, to me, is just boring as shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, you better have something going music or something playing on an iPad, or you're going to get real, it's real tired of going nowhere fast.
0: I don't, I exercise and don't bring anything. I'm just standing there staring at that screen, watching every agonizing second tick away. And it's wow, awful.
2: That's, that's the worst. You're yeah, a...
0: dude, I got to come up with a new strategy.
2: Yeah. You, you, you say, I don't have a plan. That sounds like you don't have any kind of plan
0: yeah dude i gotta i gotta work on this all right what's your number three
2: so my number three yeah uh, that's where i that's where i had folding laundry is that my number three
0: okay what's the most exciting piece of laundry to fold for you
2: um oh my god probably socks yeah
0: dude that's what i was gonna say too socks is easily the funnest right yeah because- do you roll them up do you roll them up in the ball
2: yeah, for sure. Yeah, dude. But, like, you yeah. know, you, you, dump, you dump the laundry out to fold it, then you get a sock here, you get a sock there, then you bring them together at the mm. end and fold them up.
0: I save socks for last. That's like a reward to me.
2: Yeah, I, I wow, well, I do too, actually.
0: <laughs> right? Dude, we're like, we're like yeah. sock brothers. Do you oh, throw God. them?
2: Do you we throw really them are in the like drawer? Uh, no, dude. I don't. No, I do not, I do not oh, throw wow. them in the drawer. Wow. We, I, 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 place them in the drawers.
0: Oh, I throw them. I don't mind picking them up for all the ones that I miss. Actually, I fold laundry when my sons in the room, and I chuck them at him.
2: <laughs> and he just he laughs at you. I'm sure.
0: No, he loves it. He thinks it's hilarious. Uh, okay, what number are we on?
2: You're on your number three.
0: What the? Oh, being on hold.
2: Okay. I yeah. I I don't. Need, I, I maybe a minute or two for me, and then I'm hanging up on you.
0: Hmm. I'll wait it out if I can put it on speakerphone and do something else. But otherwise, like, oh, man, especially places that have like the auto dial, not auto dial, but they have like the press one, press two that you should that shouldn't have that kind of a thing. Like there's two people fucking working there. Nobody can answer the phone like a bar, like a neighborhood bar that has that. Like, just tell me you don't want to talk to me. You don't want me coming in there. That's much easier for me.
2: I just noticed your your uh, your username on here is Fat Face Rick.
0: Yeah, dude. I was watching is there... The Wire.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is that a I character was... on The Wire?
0: I think Fat Face Rick is. I think Fat Face Rick specifically went. I, th- I believe the exact quote is, swear to God, Fat Face Rick heard we went and shot Omar Granny in the ass. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's the exact quote about Fat Face Rick in The Wire. Uh, what's your number two?
2: Uh, vacuuming.
0: The only reason that I could not put that on the list is because that's the last thing that I'm going to be doing cleaning wise. And so it doesn't strike me as boring. It's like, yeah, I can't wait to get to the vacuum because I'm almost done.
2: It's not only the most boring, but it's probably the most unrewarding as well because you vacuum something and literally 10 minutes later, it's going to be, you know, effed up. yeah.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. How come you made the choice not to cuss there after you've been cussing the whole program?
2: Yeah, I'm not really sure. I I just decided to
0: class it up a little.
2: Yeah. You know, this is a okay. PG-13 podcast. so
0: Well, I mean, it's technically explicit, but that that's not the point. Uh, so this, my number two is waiting for ads to end. Specifically on social media, we are like, oh, just end already.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Or like clicking on any video on the internet and you have to go through an ad. That's a good one. That's uh hmm, underrated yeah. answer. Underrated Maybe answer.
0: Five seconds has never felt so long in some of those things.
2: It has for your wife. Oh,
0: <laughs> I wish.
2: <laughs> You're a two second pump and chumper. All right. Um, this, is,
0: this is the idea of it. That's all I need. I don't even have to actually have. I don't actually have to even have sex. I just think about the concept of having sex at this stage in our marriage. And that's all that I need. I'm My wife's like, up, Did uh, you go, like, yeah, I went. You just mentioned the word. You put an S and an E together while spelling, and I got it close enough that that's all I needed. Um, what's your number one?
2: Uh, doing the dishes.
0: Woo, you messed up. Okay, that's up there, but that's uh, Zoom meetings, man.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, you could. That's a good one too. I mean. Well, like, I guess I just presume that like Zoom meetings are are not going to be around forever. So it's kind of doing more of a, a general list, I suppose.
0: What do you think is the longest that you've ever checked out in a meeting? Like you had absolutely no idea. Give me a percentage, the highest percentage of a meeting that you have been in that you were just completely and totally checked out.
2: You know, uh, I'm pretty, pretty nervous about it, um, but I, I'll probably go
0: 40%. Ooh. Yeah. Your job is a little bit, is a little like,
2: bit more fast paced than mine.
0: My old job, I would honestly say I could push 95 to a hundred percent where oh like, there's God. no need for me to be in this meeting whatsoever. And I have nothing to say.
2: Yeah. I mean, like I, you know, I, I would, I could still be called upon or whatever and I would know everything. But, uh, you know sometimes you drift off, especially when people go on rants or things. I mean, you know sometimes you you zoom off <laughs> see what I did. oh
0: oh nice, nicely done Thanks, oh, that was that was sad <laughs> um, all right, what's in your honorable mention
2: uh paying bills, washing your hands Ooh, uh, okay. yard work and dusting,
0: oh. oh. Well, I don't dust. I don't get bored during yard work. I'm pretty aggressive when I'm doing yard work. Other stuff that I had would, um, dentist.
2: See, I'm, I'm, I'm unexplicably, uh, scared of the dentist. So I don't, Mm. it's it's not enjoyable.
0: I got emptying the dishwasher. Um, sleep is kind of boring when you think about it, right? Like I'm just going to be laying here for the next eight hours. That's pretty boring okay um uh, so, elevator
2: uh yeah, it depends who's in it with you and you know what's going on.
0: Are you trying to imply something's happened to you in an elevator before? Or are you just talking about in general
2: i mean i've i've had i I probably have three or four good elevator stories,
0: and I want to hear an elevator story
2: uh okay, I mean, here's a funny one, not really funny, I was actually quite pissed um after a night out in Orlando with some friends, uh, we were going back to my apartment um, and we were kind of rustling around. We had just gotten food from a great place in Orlando called Gringo's, if you're there. And um, I, I was really excited for my burrito and I had like started eating it in the elevator and the doors opened and one of my buddies was on the other side. He nut checked me and I dropped the burrito onto the floor. And, of course, it spilled all over, and that was the end of my burrito.
0: okay, that's not entirely what I was expecting from an elevator story, but um all right. I was also I understand, an, it. I understand it. I understand it. you'd be upset. I understand
2: it. I was also in an elevator when a fire alarm went off in the in the building, and the elevator stopped. and you know, we, we weren't allowed to get out until the fire department came and made sure there wasn't a fire. That was about a 25 minute wait, which was a kind of uncomfortable. Um,
0: how many people were how many people were in the elevator?
2: Uh how many were there? Uh, three uh, two men and a, and a, and a woman and Ooh, uh, I
0: bet she felt fucking. Think about how if you were a woman, how awkward you feel trapped in an elevator with two random people?
2: Three It was three dudes and a woman.
0: Oh God, she must have felt. She was yeah. just oh, God that would be so terrible.
2: I, I, you know, the only thing that I really recall from that this is was, this was a while ago was the the non airflow. I didn't realize that elevators don't really have airflow, except like they use the natural airflow. Like there isn't, mm. you know. So man, it got it got hot in there. I tell you that. bad I, I bet she was
0: even. There. She was probably so uncomfortable <laughs> just sitting in that elevator. Did anybody know anybody?
2: No, no. Well, oh
0: my God. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, please leave a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. And we'd love to know what are some things that you think are the most boring, tedious, mind-numbing things that you have to do on a regular basis? Some things that you think are the most boring, tedious, mind-numbing things that you have to do on a regular basis.